This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Who is responsible for looking after our seniors? The fam, the family of a man violently beaten while asleep in a nursing home bed is furious and want, wants answers as to why such an assault uh, can happen and how we prevent this in long-term homes. Uh, this happening in uh, St. Joseph's Villa. And, uh, you know, just a, a terrible attack on a resident with Alzheimer's uh, that happened... Uh, I, I guess, uh, during the wee hours of the morning. And, uh, of course, the pictures you can see uh, pretty much explain the scenario. Uh, how can we resolve these issues? How often does this sort of thing happen? Cecile Casista is with us, Executive Director for Coalition for Seniors and Nursing Home Residents' Rights and Deputy Mayor for the uh, for the Town of Riverview in New Brunswick and is joining us now. Hello, Cecile. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Uh, we appreciate this. What's it like in Riverview, New Brunswick right now? Well, it's pretty snappy cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we have a bit of that here, too, as well, Cecile. You can keep it at your end. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll try. We'll try and do what we can. We've been pretty lucky so far this year, so I guess we can't complain. Okay. Uh, all right, Cecile, uh, how big a problem is this? Well, you know, it was shocking news when I heard of it. I mean, it's um, disgusting, actually, to say the least. Ontario, you know, I must say, is a leading province that we all look to for different policies and, you know, how important it is for them to ensure that long-term care is well-protected for the Asian populations. We copy from them. And when I heard the news today, I went, wow, you know, obviously there's something wrong with this picture. Um, they're not enforcing, obviously, the, the, the Long-Term Care Home Act. They're not enforcing the Residence Bill of Rights. Um, there are obviously some questions around staffing. Uh, you know, we in New Brunswick have been pushing for uh, hours of care, 3.5 hours of care, bedside care. And I think, you know, we need to make sure that safety is first and foremost for all aging seniors. Uh, this is across the country, actually. You know, we all have an aging population. And we place our loved ones in these facilities because they need greater care than we can give them at home. And we rely on professional people. And to hear this, this kind of news today is very, very upsetting. And I can imagine how upsetting it is to the families. Uh, I had mentioned that this patient had Alzheimer's, this victim. That's not the case. The uh, patient that, uh, that attacked him had Alzheimer's. Um, what do we do when we have situations like this where there are patients who may have Alzheimer's or some sort of dementia uh, where this sort of thing might be possible? Uh, is it a case of keeping them separate from the rest of the population? How do we do this? Well, we do have uh, nursing homes that basically that we actually do keep them separate with additional staffing. Um, not to say that they should be in a prison, but basically, you know, set up as a good home uh, and so that they basically are cared for. They're not wandering around. Uh, and I think that's important uh, because I, to me, the question I'm asking, where was the staffing at that hour of the morning? And obviously people are just wandering around. So, um, they're not really taking, you know, due care to make sure the safety of these people are taken care of. I mean, I'm not suggesting that we should have them in prison, but I'm certainly saying that there are mechanisms uh, in various new homes that we have in New Brunswick where people basically do have the safety and they have the staffing. And I think Ontario needs to look at that model. 
Uh, are these rules of, or, you know, you talked about bill, uh, bill of Rights and Residence Bill of Rights and such. Are these rules consistent, um, let alone across the country, even across a province? Ontario's got the best Bill of Rights across the country. And basically, you know, uh, we, we've been echoing, our um, ombudsman has been calling for it since 2004. But obviously, it's not being enforced, not being posted. Is it being available to everybody? There's an education component that, that needs to be done here. And I think here's a prime example, uh, you know, that family needs to know that there's some issues uh, with individuals and they need to take some due care. Uh, how do they do that? Uh, I'm not suggesting, you know, that we invade on their privacy in their room, but certainly there are uh, cameras in the hallways, those kinds of things to make sure that people are guaranteed their safety. And when I look at the Bill of Rights a few days ago, I was just going through the Bill of Rights of Ontario. And I mean, really, it, it's, it, it's, it's the Bill of Rights that basically is the law. And obviously, it's just being pushed to the side. Uh, uh, a spokesperson for the Canadian Association of Retired Persons said that this is a significant and heinous problem. I, is that accurate? Has this happened more than we think it does? Does it go well, unreported? Uh, you know what? A lot of families will not come forward and speak out for fear of reprisals or evictions. It depends on what province you're in, mm. what kind of protection. We know that in this province, many people won't speak out. There have been incidents. But maybe it's time that Ontario moves to the direction of cataloging and having it on the website so that you can look at infractions in all these um, nursing homes. We have that in New Brunswick now. You can go on the website. You can look at what the infractions are or have been. Uh, you don't know the name of the person or anything. The only thing I we are assured here in New Brunswick is the fact that uh, they have to get approval from the nursing home uh, before they post it. And I don't see that. I feel if there's an infraction, there's an issue, we need to know because we're placing our loved ones. And it's a tough call placing your loved ones in a nursing home. Hmm. It's not an easy task. You know, it's something that, you know, people really have to think about. But we place them with the idea that this is going to be safe, we have professional people. So obviously, it tells me Ontario does not have, um, you know, sufficient staff ratio on duty. Uh, obviously, this, uh, you know, the baby boomer demographic is, is making its way through the population, uh, the senior population only growing over the next few decades. Uh, are we prepared for what's coming? Are we prepared with these facilities and enough of them and obviously guidelines on how to run them? I don't believe so. I don't believe that at all. Seniors want to live in their own community. Uh, I think we need to look at smaller uh, facilities for our seniors because when the larger they get, the more more walking that the staff have to make to get to where they're going to care for them. I think we need to look at smaller communities uh, for seniors to live in their community and look after each other. I. You know, I'm not dismissing that, you know, people are going to have dementia and Alzheimer's that they should be living alone, but I think they need to be smaller communities so we can get to them quicker. Um, these institutions that are being built today are not the answer to resolve our issue. When we look at, you know, the ratio of 19.5% aging population in our province, and I think Ontario is around 17, and it's going to get worse, uh, what are we doing about it? We continue to do studies and studies and studies, but we don't do anything about it. We are advocating in this province that we want home care. That's what people want. Whether it's an apartment, whether it's in co-op, seniors take care of each other in these kind of facilities. 
What do you think will be the biggest challenge in providing this care as we move forward and this demographic ages? Well, I think they need to start looking at building smaller, you know, facilities, um, building the high rises and 60 beds and 80 beds and 200 beds. That's not the, 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 the it's going to get worse to be able to monitor it and keep staffing. I think smaller communities is what we need to do, and we need to have a home care program. Uh, home care is basically where the people want to be. Let's put the money where, you know, the staffing can come to to, you, to your needs. We have the extramural program in this province where caregivers can work hand-in-hand, hand. and Ontario has some great programs as well. They have the VON. Let's work and keep people at home. Years ago, people lived at home. They didn't go into institutions. Yeah. They used to drive in with their cars and park, that kind of thing. So I think people will do much better living in their own environment, in their own community. Uh, you talked about the Bill of Rights. Uh, does Is there something that says whenever there is something like this that happens to a resident that it has to be reported? Are you worried that these sorts of things aren't going reported? Absolutely. It, it needs to be reported. And basically, there's a number of steps that the family can take in terms of suing the other family, those kinds of things. But does that rectify the situation that needs to be done? No. They need to actually step up to the plate, put better safety um, procedures in place. There's, you know, there's a whole mix of things that needs to be done. But if there are people that are really, you know, uh, in danger of one another, they need to deal with that issue too. Uh, they can't, you know, uh, penalize everybody. I think they need to look at uh, that individual and how do we handle this and do we need more care for this individual? I mean, th- these are the kinds of things that we they need to look at, at the individuals themselves. And, you know, I applaud Ontario for having the, the Bill of Rights that they have. But if they're not exercising it and enforcing it, obviously it means nothing. You talked about, you know, the, the whole experience and, and how traumatic it is for a family to make this decision to do something like this. You can imagine how this poor family feels have, a, a, after having to make this decision and then what happens uh, to their loved one. Are you worried that when we see stories like this, it will make more people apprehensive about attending such a facility? Absolutely. You know, people will hesitate. They'll be reluctant to place their loved ones there. And, you know, I mean, now that you come to highlights that I'm talking about it today, I'm we're meeting with our minister for seniors, and I can tell you that, you know, we're going to be pushing for more home care. We need home care in the province so people can live in their own communities with, with trained caregivers. People don't want to go into these institutions. That's the last resort. And here's a prime example of someone, you know, uh, being beaten in the middle of the night. I mean, you would think you're safe, but you're not safe. And I really, my heart goes out to the family members, you know, that are going through this huge ordeal. It's, it's, It's just unacceptable. Cecile Casista has been with us, Executive Director for the Coalition for Seniors and Nursing Home uh, Residents' Rights and the Deputy Mayor for the Town of Riverview in New Brunswick, where it is just as cold, if not colder, than it is here. Uh, mm-hmm. Cecile, thank you very much for the time and expertise. Much appreciated. Thank you. Bye-bye now. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Right now, we're all, you know, the media's getting hammered, being biased, being this, being that, uh, you know, incorrect, all this sort of thing. You know, I think every media outlet always tries to be correct. The problem is they try to be first and, and, and then just don't verify. Uh, and, I, and I guess we're all guilty of that. Uh, so uh, in some form, hopefully not a lot. 
Uh, but, you know, I'm looking at two things, and, and we're about to talk about uh, Treasury Board uh, President Liz Sandals and just the totally stuck-up, snotty comments, elitist comments that she made about uh, go uh, train riders. And we'll get to that in a sec. But I've got in my hand uh, copies of two articles from two Toronto newspapers, one being the Toronto Sun and one being the Toronto Star. And, of course, you know, we go through six or seven of these a day. Uh with all the papers and, and all of uh, the news organizations when we're compiling the show. But it's interesting, uh, this story is about, uh, of course, uh, the pay raises, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're uh, lifting the pay freeze uh, for civil servants. And, of course, we've been hearing about OPG executives uh, and those in Metrolinks getting huge pay raises. And, of course, that just doesn't wash when things are the way they are in Ontario and people can barely afford to pay their electricity bill. So uh, so the story is in regard to that in a comment that uh, uh, Liz Sandals had made uh, trying to justify these raises. And then, of course, Premier Wynne came out and said, no, 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 no. And sort of shot down the thing. So the left hand doesn't seem to know what the right hand's doing. Uh, the uh, Treasury Board president justifying these, the uh, uh, Premier saying no. So those are the two stories, basically. And uh, I've got one in one hand from the Toronto Sun. And the headline is, Sandals' comments show there is no limit to arrogance of Ontario Liberals. So that's Toronto Sun, which is obviously more a right-leaning newspaper. The Star, being left, their headline is, Premier puts the brakes on big pay boost for civil servants. <laughs> so there's the exact same stories. With the same, not with the same picture, two different pictures of the same Treasury Board uh, 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 president on them, and yet two totally different headlines because for centuries, since newspapers existed, there's always been a left paper and there's always been a right paper in most large cities. So everybody's jumping around about biased media, na 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 na. Nothing new here, folks. Certainly not in print media, anyway. Uh, feel free to. Uh, offer your opinion. Send us a note at scottthompson at 900chml.com. That being said, let's listen to what it was that uh, Liz Sandals said that had everybody upset. This is, of course, questioning, when being questioning about $8 million in raises for 80 OPG executives uh, by decades end and a possible $118,000 boost for Metrolinx, uh, for the Metrolinx president. Uh, Treasury Board President uh, Liz Sandals said it was justified, and then all of a sudden Premier Wynne said the pay boosts need to be reconsidered. Uh, and I guess a reporter asked, uh, you know, how do you justify these salaries to the common Ontarian who perhaps would be taking public transit? When you really stop and think of it, the, most of the people sitting on the GO train probably don't have high-level nuclear qualifications or the business qualifications to run a billion-dollar corporate, multi-billion-dollar corporation. I don't know, because uh, I don't ride the GO train, but I have lots of uh, neighbors that do. And... Uh, I don't know if any of them are nuclear physicists or such. Um, but I don't know if they'd be happy w w with what she just said. And to me, this is just more arrogance of exactly the sort of thing that got Donald Trump elected. 
This is exactly the sort of attitude that has people pissed off with status quo population or politicians like this lady who obviously uses a chauffeur and has absolutely no idea of what the profile of someone is who rides the GO train. I got a neighbor who's an attorney, takes it every day down to Bay Street. It's like, who does this lady think she is? And how, how can you possibly be more out of touch with Ontarians than making a statement like that? Listen to it one more time. When you really stop and think of it, the, most of the people sitting on the GO train probably don't have high-level nuclear qualifications or the business qualifications to run a billion-dollar corporate, multi-billion-dollar corporation. I question whether she has the qualifications to be in the position that she's in, strictly from a public relations standpoint over and above whatever her qualifications are for giving in and, and handing the teachers' unions millions of dollars over the last couple of years, what qualifications does she have to warrant a chauffeur and saying things like she says? This is another example. And, you know, people say, well, you can't let the Trump politics into Canada. You can't let the Trump politics into Canada. It's this sort of crap that is bringing that style of politics to Canada. It is elitist politicians who have no idea of the pain and suffering their government has inflicted on the people of this province. That is what is bringing Trump-style politics to Canada. It's not Donald Trump. It's elite people with their nose stuck in the air like Liz Sandals who have absolutely no sympathy or no concern for taxpaying Ontarians. It's Liz Sandals that's bringing that style of politics to Ontario and to Canada. It's not the Kevin O'Leary's. It's not the Kelly Leach's. It's not the Patrick Brown's. It's people that are stuck up with their nose in the air, feeding off the public trough that seem to have absolutely no sense in what is going on on a go train five days a week. This is what is bringing. It's these liberals that are bringing this style of politics to Canada. It is these liberal elitists that are inviting this politics to Canada because people see no other way out. Because the Liz Sandals of the world, the Kathleen Wynns of the world, they are completely out of touch with your day-to-day -day business. We're talking about this instead of your kids' education, your kids' health care, jobs, the economy. We're spending all our time talking about elitist politicians like Liz Sandals who get chauffeured around for a living. More than we are the bread and butter issues that everybody talks about around the kitchen table. These people need a lesson in humility and what real life is like for Ontarians. They have no idea how much they are costing Ontarians, how much they have lowered our standard of living. 
because of their elitist attitude. And you ask Hillary Clinton, Liz Sandals, it's exactly this type of attitude that let, uh, that let Donald Trump walk right into the White House. There are no other people greater to blame for the rise of Trump politics than the left. Get your act together. Start representing the people. Start listening to the people. Instead of covering your sugar-coated ass. Because that's all Liz Sandals and Kathleen Wins of the world are doing. They don't have a clue what you go through on a day-to-day basis. They don't have a clue what it takes for you to raise your family and pay your bills. And certainly those people on the GO train, those stupid low-level people on the GO train, they don't know what's going on. Those plebes on the GO train, those working bees, those peasants, the steerage that that rides the GO train. They don't know anything about nuclear physics. They're just worker bees. They just pick field cotton. How much more arrogance can we stand from this overinflated party? Unbelievable. Uh, all right, we got a call here. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Uh, Todd Smith, MPP for Prince Edward Hastings, standing by. We'll get to you in just a sec, Todd. Got a caller first. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Hey, Scott, the, the term condescending biatch comes to mind. Um, the thing that gets me is, I don't know about you, but the last time I got a raise, which was a couple of years ago, um, I had to go through and I had a performance review and I had to break certain criteria before I got the raise. So where's these, where are these people's performance reviews on what they've done? And the, you know, the deserving facts to show why they should be getting these increases. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. Uh, and then for that woman to have that attitude to, you know, to look down her nose at everybody. I mean, holy cow, it's just mind blowing to me, to me, it's comments like this that pave the way for the Donald Trump's, the Kelly Leach's and the Kevin O'Leary's of the world. We have got, we have got these elitist liberals to thank for what we have now. Yeah, but you're right, Scott. They're so far out of touch with, with the general population, as far as what it's like to live in Canada. They don't even deserve to be in Canada. Thanks for the call, Ryan. Much appreciated. Uh, let's bring in uh, Todd Smith. He is a conservative MPP for, uh, for Prince Edward Hastings and is on the line with us now. Hello, Todd. How are you today? Hi, Scott. You could have just dropped the mic after that rant. That was excellent. <laughs> you know, I, but, you know, Todd, this is frustrating, no matter what your political stripe is here, because, you know, the, these people will jump on board and saying we don't want this type of politics coming into uh, in, into Canada, whereas this is the exact same reason why this sort of politics made it into the United States. It's You're doing right. it's things that, like this. It's, it's that arrogance. It's, it's the condescending nature that we get from ministers like Liz Sandals, who's done this in the past numerous times. Kathleen Wynne's done it in the past as well. You'll recall uh, back in the fall, she called Ontarians bad actors when it came to the economy. Now, I imagine they sit around in their caucus room or their cabinet meetings and and just talk about how stupid the people of Ontario are and they need to make decisions for them. And, and, And there's it's this nanny state that, that we're living in, in Ontario, where, where they look down their nose, and, and Liz Sandals is one of those ministers who looks down her nose through her square glasses, 
She says, you've got to eat all of those carrots or you're going to go blind. You know, it's, it's that kind of arrogance that we're getting from our ministers that are driving people crazy. Uh, she, of course, uh, of course, we're seeing this this pay phrase be lifted. Uh, I, I guess sooner or later it has to be lifted, and and, and people have to get raises. Uh, she was defending these raises at first. Now Kathleen Wynne says, "Hang on, not so fast. Uh, we got to take another look at this." What does that say? I, I think it's the, the symbolism involved here, too, right? The two agencies that came out in the story of executive compensation were Ontario Power Generation and Metrolinx. These are two organizations that were just hammered in the fall report by the Auditor General for all of the misspending that's occurred, billions of dollars in money uh, that's been essentially flushed down the toilet. And then these are the CEOs of these companies that are allegedly getting these massive raises. You can see the disconnect because I think Liz Sandals thought that everything was okay. Suddenly Kathleen Wynne, after Sandals' comments have been debunked by everybody out there, comes to the rescue and says maybe we're not going to give them as much as they want. But it sort of leads to this idea that executives in the province of Ontario are being underpaid and leaving for other jurisdictions, either in other provinces or or the private sector. And I don't think there's any kind of indication that that's happening. And we've called for a review, Patrick Brown and the PCs have called for a review of executive compensation because the executive compensation that we're being told about here in Ontario, uh, things like the hiring of the new CEO at Hydro One with a compensation package of $4 million a year, um, yeah, that's a lot of money. You look at Quebec, where the CEO of Hydro-Quebec is making $450,000 a year, which is a lot of money, but it's a fraction of what the new CEO of Hydro-One is making. So I can't see where all of these uh, Hydro-One employees or OPG executives or Metrolinx executives are leaving for greener pastures elsewhere because the pastures are pretty green here on Ontario as it is. So why do you think that uh, Kathleen Wynne, uh, you know, sort of flip-flopped on this? Do you think it was the fact that, you know, these raises are out of order, or do you think that it's more about the public outcry of what Liz Sandal said and her arrogant stereotyping of those who run, who ride the GO train? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with that. Um, if, if this had have just uh, been water under the bridge and didn't get the attention that it has, thanks to Liz Sandals, uh, we, we may see these kind of raises coming for the executives at these various crown agencies. We've seen this in the past. I was previously uh, the critic for the Pan American Games when that was a big story a couple of years ago. And you'll remember all of the executives and those who were working on the Pan Am Games, uh, games that came in over budget and overdue, a lot of the venues, including the big football stadium in Hamilton, and I I don't even know if that's complete yet. Um, Those CEOs and those in charge of the various venues for the Pan Am Games not only got huge salaries in the neighborhood of four hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollars a year, but when the games were over, they got their bonuses in spite of the fact that it was over budget and uh, those buildings weren't uh, done on time. I wonder if Liz Sandals has seen a profile of who the riders are that, that ride the GO train every day down to Toronto. Interesting, you know, because I was just at the OPG facilities in Pickering, the nuclear facility there last week, and I was talking to a number of the different uh, folks who work for OPG. They came in on the GO train that day. So, I mean, there actually are people who, nucle- who work at the nuclear plant uh, coming in from Toronto on the GO train to, to Pickering. I mean, that, that is just so degrading what, uh, what she said. I mean, she's done this in the past, too. Liz Sandals talked about... Uh, the $2.5 million that was handed over, basically a blank check, to the teachers' unions during negotiations a couple of years ago. 
and she didn't require any receipts for any of the expenses during that negotiating period. She said, we know how much hotel rooms cost. We know how much 100 pizzas cost. We didn't need receipts. She bungled that whole file so badly that Kathleen Wynne had to move her. Where does the premier move her to? The president of the Treasury Board, which looks after all of the nickels and dimes being spent in the province every day, but in education, she didn't need any receipts. So it's just the arrogance that exists within this liberal cabinet uh, that continues to drive people crazy across the province. Do you think Liz Sandals will be Treasury Board president heading into the next election? Yeah, I don't know what her future is. I don't know if she plans to run again, even for the Liberals in Guelph. Um, I have no idea, but I, I wish that for once that Kathleen Wynne would hold her ministers to account. We've seen scandals in so many different sectors and so many different ministries, and no one ever seems to be held accountable. Um, it, it's, it's just so frustrating sitting in the official opposition watching scandal after scandal and OPP investigation after OPP investigation, and the ministers continue to hold down their seats uh, and get their cars and drivers and don't have to worry about taking the GO train anywhere. Todd Smith has been with us, Conservative MPP for Prince Edward Hastings. Todd, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thanks, Scott. Anytime. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right. uh, This is going to be uh, an interesting discussion, to say the least. Uh, Kevin O'Leary, a lot excited when he jumped into the ring for the uh, Conservative federal leadership race. Uh, I'm one of those people that... uh, I'm applauding him jumping into the race. I'm a firm believer that this whole thing needs to be shaken up a little bit. Um, Don't know if we need to go as far as Trump, but certainly we need to get rid of the elitists that we've seen, uh, certainly similar to Liz Sandals and what she said, stereotyping everybody that rides a go train, which really just paves the way for the Donald Trumps of the world. Uh, That being said, uh, Kevin O'Leary, the biggest gaffe he may, hopefully, or or maybe not, you never know, uh, he will make of his entire campaign, and it is a big one. Uh, He posts a video yesterday, or somebody did. We don't know who posted it. First of all, it looks like this was done like a month ago, but yet it was posted today, yet he took it down, so he claims responsibility for it. So we'll assume at this point that it was he or his people that posted this. So uh, there he is at a uh, shooting range in uh, Miami, and I, I guess he was a, uh, uh, a cadet of some sort when he was a kid. So, uh, you know, ha- has been is used to, to dealing with such firearms. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, he's at these firing ranges, which you can go in in FLA quite readily uh, and easily. And there's shots of him blowing the place up, shooting at targets and such, doing what you do at a shooting range. The only thing is, is this is all being posted around the same time as the funerals are being held for uh, the victims of the Quebec City mosque shooting. So this says a couple of things to me. And uh, number one is stupid, stupid, stupid for Kevin O'Leary or his people to post such a video. Uh, Number two, uh, especially stupid, stupid, stupid to post it when there was a funeral going on in regard to probably what will be the biggest story of the year in Canada in regard to this mosque shooting. 
So that tells me that he is not in touch with what is going on in Canada if he's not aware of what the biggest news story of the day is, and that being the funerals for some of the victims of the Quebec City mosque shooting. So a faux pas twice on his part from where I see it. Let's bring in Henry Jasek, Professor of Political Science, McMaster University. He is with us now. Hello, Henry. How are you today? Just fine, Scott. Uh, Do you think this will be the nail in the coffin uh, come election time for Kevin O'Leary if he makes it that far? Well, I mean, it, it, it doesn't look good right now. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, as we saw with Donald Trump, uh, he, would, he would say things repeatedly. We say this is the end of him. No one could survive uh, those gaps. But good he kept point. going along, right? Good so, point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, yeah, you just never know, uh, you know, how, uh, how people will deal with it. But, I mean, certainly it's, it, it's not, you know, it, it, it hurts I'm sure it hurts. Uh, it hurts him a bit. I mean, I think Canadians uh, react to these things a little bit differently than uh, than Americans do. As a matter of fact, I even heard people, and I almost was prepared prepared to defend her. She was saying, "Well, why wasn't Kathleen Wynne there?" But of course. You know, that was in the province of Quebec, but I, there's a lot of people who felt that she should have gone there. Oh, interesting. Uh, and I certainly, if I was an advisor to Kevin O'Leary, I said, I would, I would have said, hey, you should have gone there as well. Hmm. Good point. Very good point. I would have. That's what my advice to him would have been. So I think, yeah, I mean, being oblivious to to how important this is is going to be to Canadians, I think that is a mistake. I think it is going to hurt him, whether it'll be fatal or not. I mean, politically, I, I don't know. But I yeah, I we really can't it, call it I anymore. Do think it hurts him, though. We really can't call it anymore, can we, Henry? <laughs> no, it's very hard, yeah, to call it. But I do certainly think a bunch of people are not going to like this at all, and 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 see that's not appropriate. And uh, I just and and even if you know things go well for him for a while, if he does get the conservative nomination, maybe if he even gets you know uh, gets gets uh, does very well in the election. But I mean, you also have to build up a store of goodwill once you have the top job. And that's the one thing we're seeing in Donald Trump, for example. And you're wondering, you know, we take a look at him and we see, oh, yeah, he he won the nomination. We never expected it. He won the election. That surprised us even more. But, you know, he's just making enemies left and right. And and the numbers of people who think he's doing a good job has dropped. And here he should be on his honeymoon. He's only been off a few few days. And, you know, his popularity is just dropping right down because you have to... Act the role, you know. You have yeah. you have people expect a president in the U.S. to act a certain way. We expect the Prime Minister of Canada to act a certain way. So even if it doesn't hurt him right away, it's not something that he wants out there. I don't think. Over and above, do we know how this got out there? Like he he pulled it in, so they must have posted it. There was sort of uh, this illusion that maybe he didn't post it. It was done like a month ago or so. It could have been, and and somebody must have picked up because we know we know in the U.S. some successful candidates, including Democrats, had had uh, pictures of themselves in the campaign uh, out hunting and shooting and stuff, and in you know in a lot of uh, more rural states and rural areas. Uh, people like that. So uh, maybe somebody who was working for him said, hey, that w- that seemed to work in the States. Why don't we try it here? Have him, sh- have him target shooting. He's not out hunting, but he's yeah. out target shooting. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's lots of those places down in Florida. But I, I think what did it for me was, you know, over and above the video itself was yeah. just the fact that he seemed to be so oblivious over this major event that was happening in Canada. He right. had no clue what was going on. And even if you are traveling, you're going to know what the big story of the day is in your country, are you not? No, you 
you really should. I mean, if you want to be the prime minister of the country, you should know what's going on day to day. And that and that will get us to a certain, th- uh, you know, also issue I think is going to be raised in a general election campaign should he win the conservative nomination is that how much time does he really spend in the United States? How much time yeah. does he spend in Canada? And we know uh, the conservatives use that against Michael Ignatieff. I wouldn't be surprised if the liberals don't use uh, his, his traveling and the fact that I understand he has a place, a residence in Boston, that they're going <coughs> to, excuse me, they're going to go after him on that. So how do you think Canadians will react to the video? And I guess there's two issues. There's the video itself and the timing. How do you think Canadians are going to react? Well, short term, people will be very upset. The question is how long they remember and will it affect people who might otherwise have voted for him? That's hard to tell. Uh, what does he have to do to fix this? Does he do anything? He's been kind of quiet since uh, the whole uh, Trump uh, announcing he was banning Muslims from those seven countries. We haven't heard much about him, uh, or, or Kelly Leach, for that matter. Uh, yeah. wh- wh- where do you think, what do you think their positioning will be on this as we move forward? Well, they have to be careful, because as a proportion of the population, uh, I'm fairly certain, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I got every, I mean, I would, I suspect, that the percentage of people who are Muslims here in Canada is larger than the you know in uh, larger than the percentage in the U.S. and I would also think among non-Muslims in Canada, we're are, are much more positive towards tolerance towards Muslims than uh, non-Muslims would be in the U.S. So yeah, you he, he has to be. I think he really has to be careful about this. Uh, how does it change this conversation, the fact that the shooter in Quebec was white and non-Muslim? How has that changed the dynamic, the conversation in Canada? Well, I mean, when that, <clears throat> what well, people would say, well, maybe it's not the Muslims that are the problem, it's non-Muslims that are the problem. Hmm. So if you point out that the people who are shooting and killing and doing these bad acts are not Muslims, they're, they're, they're people who were brought up as Christians, say, uh, you know, that, that really blunts uh, any argument that we have to worry about Muslims, because <laughs> we were, were, you know, the actual experience then will start to be people who aren't Muslims. Do you think this uh, will change the discussion and actually bring communities together because of that? I think so. I think it does mobilize people. I remember, I mean, I, I saw it here in Hamilton, people calling me up, we have to go to the march, we have to show visibly support for, you know, the Muslim community, support for tolerance and, uh, you know, of all groups and diversity. And, yeah, I think uh, I think you hear, you know, you'll, you, you know, I just think you hear a lot around about that around the country. I think people really, really, you know, ha- we have an image of ourselves as being a tolerant uh, po- population, uh, having it that as part of our values. And I think uh, I, th- I think that certainly uh, will have an impact uh, as we go forward. All right. I can't let you go, Henry, without getting your uh, your at least capsulized daily version of what you uh, think of Donald Trump on today being uh, February 3rd. Uh-huh. What are your thoughts on the last week? Oh my goodness! Yeah, he, he he just seems to like to get into fights with everybody or get angry with everybody, and uh, he, he just he just can't stop doing it. He just keeps going along doing it, and uh, I think the the real crunch of the the people to pay attention to, oh, you know, are really the Republican senators and the re- Republican representatives in the House of Representatives, because you know they, he's got a, there's Republican majorities there, but are they going to stick with him? Are they going to how you know are they going? They're the really key people. If they stay with him, 
he can probably do pretty much what he wants to do. But uh, if they start getting upset with him and, uh, you know, start uh, not doing things he wants to do that he puts before them, uh, then he's going to be in trouble. I mean, so far it looks like he's pretty much getting what he wants out of, out of them, but at some point, uh, you know, that may not happen. I want to see if the Republicans are going to vote him all sorts of money to build a wall. Uh, I don't, you know, that's a lot of money, and you know, and I'm sure they they know, even though they might not say publicly, they know the Mexican government is not going to reimburse the U.S. for building a 15 billion dollar wall uh, between you, the U.S. and Canada and, and uh, Mexico. Henry Jasek has been with us, professor of political science, McMaster University. Henry, always a pleasure. Thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Okay, very good, Scott. Thank you. Let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, principal Alyssa PR Communications, columnist, Huffington Post, Canada P, uh, Canada.com, and PR Day. She is with us now. Hello, Alyssa. How are you today? Hello, hello, Scott. Top of the afternoon to you. Back at you on a Friday. Uh, what are your thoughts of uh, Kevin O'Leary's uh, video of the shooting range that came out at exactly the same time as the funeral was going on for uh, three of the members that were killed in the mosque in Quebec City? Well, I think it was a miscalculated, bad timing kind of thing. You know, when it comes to politics, I have to be honest, I like to think that things are happenstance, but they aren't. They're very, very calculated. So when somebody put out that video or chose to put it out, believe me, it wasn't his idea. It's his team's idea. And they forgot to check the calendar and think, okay, well, gee, what else is going on today? Oh, uh, you know, a, a funeral that has great significance in this country. So that's essentially what happened. I mean, having that, this missed sort of timing um, from a PR perspective, is just really, really horrible optics. On the other hand, Scott, maybe it was calculated, and maybe it was showing that he's at a, a shooting range, he knows how to use a gun, and he is prepared to protect the country. Wow. So you're willing to go out on a limb and say that this might have been intentional? The timing? Yes. And then you what know, happen, Then what happens after the backlash comes in? Oh, backlash, you know, O'Leary knows well, having been in the media for several years and um, actually running narratives from being on the other side of the camera or the microphone, he knows that a, uh, a story like this will have a about 24-hour burn cycle. And then it will be on to the next. People will remember it. People will bring it up. And, you know, his basic answer will be very uh, Trump-like in saying, you know, we all need to uh, be able to bear arms. We all be, uh, uh, must be able to protect ourselves. So, therefore, I'm just doing what I think is right, especially in the face of this heinous uh, act that occurred in Quebec City. I can understand how, if it was released at a different time, the video may appeal to some uh, at the base of, uh, of the Conservatives. That being said, though, over and above the video, what I'm finding fascinating and, and, and what I'm finding that I, I think will hurt him is his timing in the sense that, to me, it proves he has absolutely no idea what the biggest story of the news day is in Canada on that day. And in a man who's running for the federal conservatives and eventually the prime minister of the country, if he succeeds, he should know what's going on. To me, this displays him as being out of touch, much like a Nadia was. Well, 
Let me play devil's advocate, because you're always playing it with me, Scott. Go for it. <laughs> Let me play devil's advocate. I think he knew what the biggest story of the day was. I think he knew that him at a showing uh, visuals of him at a shooting range juxtaposed to uh, a, the, you know, a tragedy. I think he knew exactly what, that, what, what he was doing, and I think he was riding the coattails of that. Because he's probably thinking, well, how else am I going to stay top of mind, you know, in the public consciousness? There's so many people running for the conservative leadership. What am I going to do to break through? And I think that he is audacious enough and his team is audacious enough. And I'm sure they went back and forth on this and what would be the backlash, et cetera, et cetera. And I think he was audacious enough to absolutely know what he was doing. Then why pull it and look goofy? I mean, if you stand by it, you let it ride, don't you? You know who thinks he looks goofy? People like you and me. <laughs> but people like you and me, uh, let's say... And I'm not, be, I'm not being partisan on this. I'm just looking at no. it from a PR standpoint. Oh, like, you know, listen, if you went into any, uh, asked any expert, aside from myself, of course, if you asked any expert, they would say this is just a case study in bad you know, PR management, you know, juxtaposition of optics. It, it falls into every book and saying, you know, this is a no-no, you know, from PR optics. But, you know, I have to tell you, in what works and what people are appalled by anymore, you know, that bar has gotten lower and lower and lower. So where you think that maybe five years ago something like this would have destroyed somebody's campaign, not necessarily so. Yeah, well, that's what uh, a, pr a political science professor from McMaster, uh, Henry Jasek, said. You know, uh, we've talked about that all the way through the campaign. Yes, this is gonna this is gonna nail Trump. This is gonna bring him down. This, and of course, it just never did. So, how do we predict if this will affect Kevin O'Leary or not in the future? I think that once we saw what happened with Brexit, it was a, a telltale sign that all bets were off, and that sanity wasn't necessarily going to prevail, then people are angry enough about the way things are going. And it's the angry person who wants change and who is probably not that appalled by Kevin O'Leary like some of us are. Hmm. And it seems that those people are having a louder voice at the polls than people who would be appalled. And, you know, there's actually some very interesting articles that uh, I wish I could remember it right now, but saying that, you know, democracy as we know it may be going under, over, maybe undergoing uh, a 180 shift. And that, you know, in eight years, God forbid, there won't be any democracy. So the way people think now is, is much different than it was six months ago is much different than it was a year ago and is way different than it was two years ago. All right. Let's, uh, I, I got it. I can't let you go without getting your thoughts on the comment from uh, Liz Sandals. Uh, she, of course, the treasury board president, uh, the big stink of the story yesterday was uh, that, that uh, 
OPG and Metrolinx people, because of the relax in the in the pay freeze, we're going to get these uh, exorbitant, absorbent, exorbitant, <laughs> huge salaries. <laughs> and um, it's Friday, man. I'm fried. Yeah, too many syllables. Too exactly, many syllables. exactly. They were getting these uh, inflated salaries and bonuses and such. Uh, and and basically, I guess when she was asked about uh, how Ontarians would react to this and people riding the go train, she said, "Well, I guess there isn't a lot of nuclear phil- physicists or something to that extent." Oh, here's the clip. Let, let, uh, let that do the talk. When you really stop and think of it, the, most of the people sitting on the GO train probably don't have high-level nuclear qualifications or the business qualifications to run a billion-dollar corporate, multi-billion-dollar corporation. See, this to me, uh, you know, this to me, Alyssa, you want to know why people like Trump get elected? It, it's from, yes, it's, it's people exactly like, like it's people like this that pave the way for the Donald Trumps to get to the White House. It's this elitist uh, establishment, have no idea what the common person is going through. It's this attitude that paves the way for Trumps. Am I not correct? You are 110% correct. I love you when you say that. I'm going to give you the extra 10. (laughs) You know, this falls right into the basket of deplorables column, and you saw how well that worked for Hillary. Yeah. And, you know, well, what am I, a deplorable? And for Liz Sandals, who should know better? She's been a public servant for how long? Yeah. And has been in a lot of contentious uh, ministries and has held a lot of positions who should know better, and it was obviously undergone media training and understands crisis communications, like this is absolutely appalling. And the fact that she would denigrate the electorate like this, it, it absolutely blows my mind. Uh, will she be in the party come next election, do you think? You know, everybody's disposable, and it doesn't seem to matter, you know, how long you've been in the party. Sometimes I say politics. It's an industry where you can fail up. Yeah, really. Anything is possible. Maybe because she's been a longtime soldier, people can dismiss this. Uh, I would say that she's treading on eggshells. Uh, obviously, Wynne was quick to come out and uh, say, no, no, not so fast. That's not the way we're going to review this. What does that say? You know, it's Wynne will say whatever she needs to say at this point, you know, in order to win. Or, you know, she uh, said to John Tory, forget it, forget about tolls. Of course, she said forget about tolls. There's all those uh, votes in the 905 that she hopes to uh, curry favor with. Right now, uh, Wynne is just going to say what she needs to say. Whether you fall on the right or wrong side of it, she just wants to keep her powder clean, and she can't afford uh, any more mistakes. Wynne seems to be aware of what happened in the United States and why the Democrats lost. She seems to under—well, at least she says she seems to understand that, mm-hmm. that people are upset. How is she going to feel about this? She must be upset. Oh, she must be furious, and I am sure— she picked up the phone and phoned Liz Sandals, if not hauled her in to her office and gave her a what for. I absolutely think that happened we, uh, under no insert uncertain terms. <laughs> Alyssa Freeman has been with us, Principal Alyssa PR Communications. As always, Alyssa, thank you very much for the time and insight twice this week. And uh, have yourself a great weekend. And you too, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.